when do I turn my hobby or something I'm interested in into more of my career? You should just do all of the things that you can. <laughs> like, don't worry about forcing one of them or try and make one happen. Just like fill your time, do the things. But then when you get an opportunity, in this case, to teach a class, but I can't because my time is restricted elsewhere, like that's a sign. From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. Today, we sit down with Caitlin Pascucci, the founder of Sangha Studio, Vermont's only nonprofit donation-based yoga studio. Welcome. This is Sam Roach-Gerber and Dave Bradbury, recording from the Consolidated Communications Technology Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. Today's episode is brought to you by the Center for Women in Enterprise. Hi, Caitlin. Hi. Welcome. How's it going? Thanks for having me. I mean, you just said our place looks great, so we're just thrilled to have you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's just wrap it up. <laughs> All right. This was great. Perfect. Um, Caitlin, what is Sangha Studio? Um, so Sangha is a nonprofit donation-based yoga studio. Um, we currently have two locations, both in downtown Burlington. Two locations in downtown Burlington. Yeah, one's, one is downtown downtown, and the other is in the Old North End. Awesome. So anywhere in Burlington you want to practice with Sangha, you can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe maybe someday in the South End. but <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And um, how did you get into yoga? Like, what was the attraction? Uh, so <laughs> it's always really funny when, when people have asked that. Um, the, the truth of the story is that it was because of half-off burger night at Reroz that used to be a thing of it. Half-off burger? Who hasn't been there? Yeah, right? Yeah, like if anyone from Reroz is listening, just side note, that was the best. It's <laughs> um, true. We all know it. <laughs> but so I, I first did yoga. I actually very, very, very first saw yoga when I was in high school. Um, my gym teacher, like – put on a video and then left the room and we were just supposed to watch it, which was just funny because like no one in high school is going to do the thing. We all just like talked and it was, you know, like this family, like overlooking this like Hawaiian ocean tropical scene. And I, but so that was the first time I had ever actually seen yoga. Um, but I didn't do the yoga. Um, and then when I was in college, I went to a class, I went to Champlain and I went to a class there, but um, in full disclosure, I thought it was like really boring at first, which now I realize there's just different styles of yoga. Um, that was just a slower style of yoga. Um, and at that time, I wanted something that was a little bit more active. So then my friend was like, I'm going to this class. The class is free downtown. If you come with me, I'll buy you a burger at half off burger night after. And I was like, well, how do I say like, why would you say no to that? Perfect. Yeah. Why would you? <laughs> why would you say no to that? So um, then I went and I really, really, really liked it. Was it like a vinyasa or something a little yeah. bit faster paced? Yep. And like in in all honesty, that first class, I, I actually, that same teacher is someone who still teaches and I love their class now. It was just at that time, you know, like I didn't realize it was called yoga. The schedule said yoga. It didn't like, I mean, if it had said different styles, I don't know if I would have even known what that meant, but I was just like, oh, Yoga is not for me. Um, but you knew what bacon double cheeseburger meant. So, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, it was, I mean, there was a, there was like a mustard mayonnaise on it and it was just. <laughs> Completely worth it. So good. Besides just the trajectory of your entire life. So good. A life-altering so burger. I actually, the, the class, it was a free class that was when um, Lululemon used to have that showroom. They would do like a lot of community events and it was a series and then. <laughs> I was like, well, what if, I don't know if I like it. Like, what if we go next week? 
and you we go to burgers again. <laughs> and so you needed then, a like, little incentive in the yeah, beginning. That became like the thing, which was really sweet. Um, so yeah, so then I did that class like every I don't know it was for like every week for a month or something. And then that teacher marketing so good was she was like I'm gonna start teaching at Laughing River so then she taught one class a week there and then I started going to that class every week and um it was just so nice like it was like me and like four people and she was a new teacher but I just really resonated with her and then she actually ended up moving to Boston which is where she did her teacher training to kind of apprentice with her teacher um and she still teaches there and is like really integrated into that studio and then that's where I eventually did my training so very cool I think I think a lot of people that get into yoga because they find the right teacher for me it was John McConnell I was literally the same story so many people are like John yeah he he has he makes it so approachable something that can be really intimidating um, but you know, after, you know, I sort of fell in love with it going to John's classes and then I was able to sort of expand from there, but it's, I think it's really important to have a teacher that really resonates with you in the beginning. Yeah. And that's, what's really cool about yoga is, um, there's just so many, I actually have used the analogy of like, it's like when you find a therapist, like you might not go to the person that's very right the very first time, but like you want to keep going or like. If you were to say, oh, I'm going to go to a restaurant, well, there's like many different styles of restaurant. You have to kind of do a little bit of that research. Um, I just got really lucky that it was my second time that it was like the person that I loved so much. Yeah. Um, And, you know, some people love John's style because it's super fun and he's like really lighthearted. But then other people want to go to yoga because they actually want more quiet and they want something that's like very self-reflective where it's not as like energetic. And all of that exists. It just, you got to just keep looking for it. You got to find it. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your professional background. Did you always want to be an entrepreneur? Uh, No. (laughs) Um, I laughed actually at the beginning when you were like, an accidental entrepreneur is like, I'm sure many people on the podcast have been like, I had like no idea. (laughs) Like, well, I still have no idea. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I... It feels like it was a really long time ago. And then if I like take a moment to be like, wow, that actually feels like that was like just yesterday. But I do feel like my my post-college like full-time life with benefits was like literally a different human. Um, I I honestly like I did my training and then I just started teaching like a class here and a class there. And I'm so grateful that my boss at the time, um, he basically was like, as long as you get your job done, you can do your job whenever you want. And so I was able to work my hours around that. And what were you doing at the time? Oh, like most Vermonters, like 25 things. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But my full-time job was at uh, the Essex Resort and Spa at the time. And, like, I I went to school for hotel restaurant management. So that was a pretty, like, that made a lot of sense. But I worked in more departments than I could probably count on my hands. Wherever (laughs) Um, they need you. Yeah. Um, but that was my full-time job. And then I also like, like I worked at Nectar's and the Willard Street Inn and like catering at five other places. And, you know, you just piece it together and do that hustle, which is now looking back, that's such a, like kind of a neat thing in most entrepreneurs. They're just like, well, I have free time. I might as well do something with it. Um, and I've, I've always really liked that and working on boundaries. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you're an accidental. You established. Definitely accidental. And then how did you end up with this unique business model, right? A nonprofit and donation-based. Like, did, yeah. Was that how it started day one or 
No. um, Evolve. So when it first started, so I should say like when I was working in that job, I got really good advice from my mentor, which is the woman that I said I took classes with. And I was telling her like, I kind of want to teach more, but like, I don't really know. Like, when do you like take that leap, right? Like, when do you make the change? Which I think is something a lot of people struggle with. Like, when do I turn my hobby or something I'm interested in into more of my career? And she gave me really great advice and said that you should just do all of the things that you can. (laughs) Like, don't worry about forcing one of them or try and make one happen. Just like fill your time, do the things. But then when you get an opportunity in this case to teach a class, but I can't because my time is restricted elsewhere, like that's a sign. Like that's a sign that you're getting opportunities, but something else is restricting you. And that was always really helpful for me. And then that happened a lot. That started to happen more and more and more and more. And then I was feeling really burnt out by driving everywhere is honestly what it was. Like I was literally teaching like in Williston and then I'd go to Essex and then I'd go to Burnt. Like the amount of time that I was driving was making me feel tired. And then my teacher gave me the idea of like, well, what if you rented a space? And we did, you know, quick math. If you rent a space and you charge this much, one thing leads to another. But the charging is what always really resonated with me. Because when I was driving to all these different places, I just felt really uncomfortable that at each place, a person in class is paying a different amount and they don't know what happens with that money. Like they just assume that it covers all the expenses, but like sometimes it doesn't. Like sometimes there's one person in class, which means I make $4 and I just drove here (laughs) and I was here for an hour, you know? But that's just what happens with a new teacher. Um, But I felt like if there was more transparency around money, which money and wellness and holistic world are things that like often don't really get talked about a whole lot. Um, So I just started to be more transparent with people. Not that I think people were trying to not be transparent. It's just not how things tend to be. Um, And so when we first opened, I was pretty clear that we were charging. um, We did $10 a class. I didn't want to do memberships because then they'd have to be like a hundred something dollars. So we were just like trying to make it really affordable and trying to like make it so that teachers could um, make money if they do some of that hustle, right? Like tell your friends, tell your people. Um, and honestly, it wasn't working. <laughs> like I was teaching so many classes and like putting in all of my efforts. And as I'm sure many small business owners have said on the podcast, like you're basically working to pay your bills versus working. But by pay your bills, I mean other people's bills. Other people's bills. bills. I was definitely, if I wasn't working all those other jobs, there'd be no money for me to have had my own bills. And um, the tipping point, so to your question of like, how did I come to a different model, was um, at that time I was 25, maybe 26. But, um, you know, at that point in my life, like I still don't have any children. Um, actually, I'm in the process of closing on a house today. Yay! I just found out like today. an hour ago today. Wow. That's cool. Congrats. Um, but at that point in time, that felt really far away. Um, but, you know, those like sort of larger expensive life things are not things I had. But I remembered the feeling of how is that ever going to be possible on the money that I'm making right now? And that just felt really wrong. Like it didn't feel right to be like, oh, well, I love what I'm doing. And so for that reason, I shouldn't make money at it. Like I can love what I'm doing and I can make a really good living. 
It's going to take time, but, like, how can we carve that path towards that? And so then um, I'd always loved the idea of donation-based. It just felt really scary to open a donation-based business. Like, cool new business. You don't even have to pay to come. (laughs) Like, that felt like a scary thing to do. Um, But then I actually got the idea from I went to a yoga conference in um, upstate New York area, and I met someone who was, like, not the executive director, but, like, kind of higher up within a nonprofit donation-based studio in Brooklyn. And then they actually decided to become our fiscal sponsor for a year, which was, like, I'm still to this day so grateful for that because it let us make that change so quickly and kind of explore does this model work without having to go through what is really a mountain of paperwork? Right, to get your own nonprofit. So yeah. that, that's what you use theirs for. We use theirs, yeah. And then um, that just kind of is a, you know, as we grew and as they grew, we started, I mean, <laughs> Brooklyn and Burlington are very different. They're really similar in some ways, <laughs> very different in lots of ways. So um, what the service that we were offering there started to become very much like school focused and like mm-hmm. in the in that public sector and we were more like studio focused so we decided to break ways um but then in that time we filed for our own nonprofit so long story of how how we came to kind of be where we were was it always feels weird to say because of money but it kind of is because so many so so much of that story of entrepreneurs is that like you're good luck <laughs> You know, like I can't, I'm actually still a little bit like, wow, I can't believe, I can't believe I'm going to buy a house. (laughs) Like, wow. You know, like that's, it feels, it feels awesome to be like, wow, like I made that money for myself and like there's a potential for more and that there can be that forward momentum. Um, And for us, it's kind of a beautiful thing that by, I mean, kind of basic, basic concept, like lower the price, more people buy it. So that's sort of where we come at is how can we have like power in numbers? The more people that are a part of this, the more that we can bring in, the more there is for everyone. So Totally. Yeah. And I think, you know, you bring up some really great points. I think one of them is, you know, you can do what you love and build something really beneficial for people and still be profitable or make money on it. That's something that I think our culture is not great about. Like, that those things can kind of work together. Um, And the other is that, like, we always say to entrepreneurs, like, you're not inventing a business model. You're just finding one that already exists somewhere and sort of applying it to your business. And I think that's, um, you know, that's huge because I think that holds people back a lot of the times because they think they have to have a creative business model where you don't necessarily just have to do your research and meet the right people and have a good idea and then sort of apply it to your situation in a way that makes sense. Yeah, I actually, something that you just said makes me think too of like, I hear this a lot even is like, oh, well, yoga is really saturated. Or you hear that there's, I mean, you could use that in any business. Like there's a saturation in some market of that thing. But there's definitely people who aren't doing that thing. So like, how do you reach the people who aren't already doing whatever it is that you do? Because that's your market. And that was really what worked for us was that the people that honestly were like me, the people that were like, even if I could figure out within my budget to pay like $15 a class, I just didn't understand yoga enough to even value it at that. And so, okay, well, let's just like knock that price down. Let's make it be like $5 a class. And then if we do $5 a class, well, then I'm going to get a little bit into it. And then I'm going to want to keep coming and it's been nice because, you know, from a mission standpoint, 
that's how then people do continue to come and like, I don't, do you do yoga? I didn't actually ask you this. So like, it like changes your life if you want it, if you let it, it will change your life. Like, (laughs) I mean, I've actually taken a two month teaching break and I'm subbing today. I told you, Yeah, yeah. like I haven't taught in almost two months. I've never done that since I started teaching, but I was just kind of like, right now the movement's not a thing that I can manage. I got to just like make intentional choices about the business right now. And like, that's where my focus is, but like, that's yoga or like, being kind to people <laughs> during a pandemic when it's really easy to interpret text tone. Like, take a breath. Like, that's yoga. It's like, what are all these ways that living yoga can be life-changing for people? Um, or make you a better business owner. Yeah, like, I mean, I think that most business owners can count on, and if they can't yet, they definitely will, on more than two hands the difficult choices that come up or times where you like want to lean in with anger but you know what what's that really going to do at the end of the day like step back you know um there's a Brene Brown quote that I love that I actually think of a lot of in yoga or in business is um something along the lines of it's hard to hate someone up close and it's like that's yoga you know like compassion human connection all of that is what I want for myself as a person, but, like, that's why I teach. That's why we do the studio. That's why we try to make it affordable because that's what's really going to change our community. Handstands are cool. Handstands feel awesome. Yeah. I love beautiful photos. <laughs> like, all of that's really, really great, and um, and we can have all of that with the parts that are um, are really powerful. And, and just to build off of that a little bit, like, you know, obviously you can charge a lot for yoga. People do it all the time. Like, why is that financial accessibility of it so important to you personally? And like, why has that been sort of, it seems like that's been like a big thread through what makes Sangha Sangha. Yeah. Um, it's hard to, it's, I guess it's, it's actually kind of hard to answer that question. Like, you know, those things you just feel, but you don't really have words to. I think I feel that way because I grew up in a low-income household. (laughs) Like, if I were to actually, like, analyze myself, you know, like, grew up in a low-income household, and, like, my mom didn't go to college. I went, like, you know, it's kind of mirroring the person that you are and making space, really, for people that are you and people who are like you. Um, That's probably where a lot of that comes from. But I do remember when I was in school and I did want to – my dream was to move to New York and work in the Times Square Marriott. And (laughs) – that was going to be me. You're so close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like pretty much on track for that. Um, but I do always remember working in hotels, seeing all of the people who make this experience happen for the person who's actually visiting, right? Like for the actual guest, there's a lot of people doing things. And almost all of those people are behind the scenes. And I like remember this guy, Joe, who was the dishwasher, who like, literally is the hardest worker ever <laughs> but he's just like being the dishwasher in the basement but like if there's no dishwasher then there's gonna be no dishes and then you're not gonna be able to eat and the, there's like this perpetual movement but the people that are behind the scenes often get forgotten about and I remember when I wanted to work in a hotel I was like I wanted I honestly like I want to run a hotel so that the people that are like the super hard workers are getting paid what they should be getting paid. There's no reason that that person should make a minimum wage. They've been here for 20 years, you know? And I think that same sort of, like, desire just paralleled into yoga differently. Like, 
teachers should make a good living because they've spent a lot of money in their training. It's a lot of energy working with anyone that works with people knows that when you work with people, it's energetically exhausting. Yeah. It's yoga and yoga is great, but that doesn't mean that a room of anywhere from two to 45 people is not something that you can just walk away from. Like there's a decompression. So I've just really loved that idea. Like yoga can be a career. It can be something that lets people practice. Like we can all like have our cake and eat it too idea. Yeah. But I don't really know where that comes from other than, yeah, maybe like deeply rooted childhood things. Isn't that where everything comes from? (laughs) All roads lead back to. Yeah. So you sort of touched on what you look for in, um, and others, coworkers, things like that. So I don't know if there's a shortage of yoga teachers in our market or not, or <laughs> abundance, but what do you look for when you're hiring? Yeah, um, two things. One, it's funny that you said, I don't know if there's a shortage of yoga teachers because um, John, actually. So John also leads a teacher training. And one time someone was saying, this has come up so many times, someone was saying that they were like, I don't know if I should do teacher training. Like there's so many yoga teachers. And John's response was, wouldn't the world be awesome if everyone was a yoga teacher? (laughs) And I was like, that is such a good response. It's like so true. Like if everyone just taught yoga or could um, do yoga, literally the world would be so much better. A posture would be better. Yeah, literally our posture, everything, our breath, all of it. Everything would be so much better. So, um, but so what do I, what do I look for? Um, One, I do think that everyone, there's plenty of room for yoga. There's plenty of people who are not practicing Um, But the things that I am, like, more innately drawn to are, I think, when people do genuinely seem excited about the practice of yoga. Like, I love when someone, like, is naturally sharing a thing that they're wanting to learn about or, like, going to a training or things like that. Because that shows that they aren't just in it just for the job. They're truly in it because they have that passion for it, too. Um, (laughs) Also funny that, like, did not realize we have, like, one, two, like, four part in full-time staff and like an overwhelming percentage of them are Virgos. So I'm clearly really drawn to that. I didn't really know what Virgos were all about, except that they're very organized. And so I like people who are organized. Sam can tell you how organized I am. No, no, you don't think so. (laughs) Some discrepancy there, I would say. It's become like a running joke. I'm not feeling the karma, Sam. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) My bad. Virgo energy. Yeah. Virgo energy. So. And, and tell us a little bit about your staff, um, how you've built that team. So that, um, thank you, Instagram. That's how I found Brit, our first full-time staff. We love Brit. <laughs> yep. So Instagram was um, pretty huge for that. But honestly, it was just like, I need help and I would like to ha- hire someone who's already following along with what we're doing. So that's why Instagram felt like a great place. Um, mostly people that have come to the studio. So same thing, like, you know, you're already wanting to be a part of this community. Um, I do think that in the next, like, I mean, who knows timeline wise with COVID, but like, as we continue to grow, we'll start to kind of tip where our expertise comes from and look for people that not necessarily are outside of Sangha for that reason, but like at some point it'd be cool if we could have like a grant writer on staff to help us with grants. And I don't know if that person will naturally be coming to the studio already, you know, um, and when you say Instagram, you mean you posted the job on like on the Sangha Instagram? Yeah. Awesome. With just like a photo that was like, this is a rough job description. This is what we're looking for. If you're interested, I think I was like, send me a cover letter and resume just so that it looked fancier and yeah. made me sound like I knew what I was doing. Yeah. yeah. Britt actually still laughs because like, you know, she she left her job to 
to start working at the studio, which at that time I could only, I said it was part-time with hopes of it being coming full-time because similar to that, that jump of when do you move from hobby to job is like, okay, well, moving to a full-time person is a lot. So I wanted to take it a little slower. I, I'm still sometimes like, wow, I'm really grateful that she took that risk. <laughs> and she said that she walked in on her first day and was a little bit like, oh my God, what did I just get myself into? Um, but it all, it's worked out beautifully. <laughs> yeah. You guys seem like a really great team. Yeah. She like, uh, I mean, if she listens to this later, she's going to be all embarrassed, but she's like for sure my other half. And um, if I could, if I could pick anyone to run a business with it, it would be her for all these reasons that I would never have listed at the very beginning because I did not know that's what I needed. Um, but she's also a Virgo, and that's awesome. <laughs> so there's definitely an element of luck in there, I guess, for getting Brit, huh? <laughs> for sure, for sure. I've actually heard that on a couple other business podcasts. Like one of the things is is just luck, but also that you're lucky if you're willing to look for the luck. Like yeah. it doesn't just like come across. Like I put the posting out there. Yeah. It wasn't like she you just create emailed. your own. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, create your own luck. Um, and then Can you tell us what, about the uh, the business memberships at the studio? What's that all about? So those are that was actually a thing that we had adopted from that studio in New York. So um, when we first had the fiscal sponsorship as a way to be more cohesive, there was lots of pieces that we used that they had so that it just kind of looked clearly like we were working together. Um, and one of their things was business memberships. And so the idea is that all, biz- all um, employees at a particular business would then use the services. So for us, it's yoga classes. If they had like massage and whatever, it was other things um, from a particular business. And it's sort of twofold. It's like one financial commitment of business to business, which is helpful from a revenue perspective. Um, But it's also employee relations and it's nice for businesses to be able to offer a benefit to employees. Very cool. Yeah. Did you take a note on that one, Dave? Just well, my, my pen ran out. Oh, I'll email you. Don't worry. Thank Perfect. <laughs> Always be selling. I love it. And right? then, you know, you know, make your own luck. Yes. <laughs> Put yourself in a position to be lucky. Yeah. Is what I always say. Um, yeah. Serendipity is a, a, a big piece of what I believe makes us successful. But yeah. of course, you have to you know put yourself out there. Um, well, you know, this wouldn't be a October 2020 podcast episode without talking a little bit about COVID um, and how it has impacted your business and how, you know, maybe talk about sort of what March looked like for you and sort of where you guys are at now. And, yes. and we have tissues somewhere if you need oh, them. Oh, no. I mean, well, I shouldn't say, I know. I don't know. Everyone cries every day now, right? Isn't that like what people are saying? Yeah. I mean, okay. it's happened at least once already today and it's like, what, three? <laughs> Um, so yeah, when, when COVID happened, um, I actually specifically remember Britt and I had like heard about this COVID thing and that it like might be an issue. <laughs> and we were like, um, yeah, like we'll just see what happens. And then like a couple days later, there was actually a very big moment of a click when Britt and I were both in the office and we were both like, this is transferred through the respiratory system and yoga is actually about deep breathing. <laughs> So that doesn't really make any sense. Um, and it it felt abundantly clear that it was time to close. I'm I used I was saying that I was naive in thinking this, but I think I just I don't know if naive is the right word. I don't think I have language for the right word, but I thought we'd be closed for like a week. Yeah. I just like didn't even consider a longer term thing. 
So maybe naive is the word, but wishful thinking, maybe. Yeah, I think I was just like, you know, we'll have to be clo- kind of like, you know, people get people get really sick sometimes and you close and then the flu's gone and then you're fine. <laughs> like that's I think a lot of small businesses have felt that way, at least businesses that I've talked to. Um, that's that's kind of a parallel. And that was a hard thing to like accept when that wasn't then what was happening. Um, so we actually closed. And when we decided when we made that decision to close, we literally were like, OK, well, we'll close immediately. Because it didn't feel right to for us to make that decision, but then for us to continue classes for the rest of the day. It was kind of like, if we made the decision that it's not right, we should just close starting now. So we, like, uh, luck, lucky. Um, just before that, someone who comes to the studio started helping us with marketing because they said they could help us kind of redesign our website. And we had just brought her on for, like, a kind of independent contractor unlimited monthly package so that was a big win because <laughs> she helped us like it was it was monumental how much she helped us with the communications externally to get everything out in a way that was like, OK, we don't know what's happening and we have to close and I think we're going to be OK. Um, because then the next day I left to go lead a yoga retreat in Costa Rica <laughs> um, at that time. That was a really hard call to make sort of on twofold. In full disclosure, it was for sure like a little bit selfish of me. And that's like a hard thing. That's been like a little bit hard for me to reconcile in myself. Like I wanted to go (laughs) and like I thought COVID would just be around for like a week. And I'm like, it's going to be a crappy week at home. But like Brit's got it. We've got it set up. We'll be okay. We're going to be with our group. I think we'll be fine. Um, And there was a couple people that were traveling with us that were already in Costa Rica. So it was like, well, we'll we'll meet up with them. I did justify it in my head. Hindsight 2020. Probably shouldn't have gone. Um, also at that time, no one was giving returns on anything. So everyone would have forfeited all their flights, you know. So we let everyone decide do what was best for them. But while we were in Costa Rica is when things really like. Locked it down. Yeah. I flew like, home with my family from surfing uh, Costa Rica. Was it March 3rd? So it was just yep. people were just starting to get tense. The whole plane smelled like alcohol wipes and. It was like bizarre. It was just around that. Like when we left, it was like technically, I think, the 13th, but like no one had a mask or anything yet. And then, like, once we got into like JFK or whatever the connecting was, there was a couple people with the mask, but you were like, wow, they're very cautious. Yeah, it was <laughs> like, like early days. We were just kids. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we all grew up fast. Look at us now. <laughs> I have like masks to match an outfit. <laughs> Where'd you go to Costa Rica? Where'd you go? Um, to Santa Teresa area. Yeah, love Santa Teresa. Where, so where good. was your, uh, who were you? Uh, we stay at Pedro Lado. It's like, do you know, do you know the Zwart Cafe? Yes. I love Zwart. <laughs> Roca Mar is my place down there. So I like it on the beach for breakfast Wait, after a morning one? session. Roca Mar. Um, I feel like I can visualize place. that sign. Anyway, we could go on day talking about Santa Teresa. Montezuma so is where yeah. our, our heart is. And that's where my yoga instructor lives, Dagmar. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Did, have you been to that Luna Lena place? No, my wife has. We, I've stayed there a few times. It's so nice. But, okay. So I, I got to get my head back in the game because yeah. I'm surfing. We can cut that part out. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, that's, why, that's how I first started doing yoga and getting into it was so this aging snowboarder could surf mm. and snowboard. Yeah. Around. Yeah. I mean, so many people come to yoga for physical things and then they start to like see the other stuff or like vice versa. They come to it because they like know they want some calm and then they're like, ooh, the physical part's really cool, which is yeah. kind of, it's nice. 
So eventually everyone get gets to the stuck in Costa Rica. So um no, but almost. <laughs> Real close. Um, Britt's like, all right, come back now. Yeah, like <laughs> I was on the phone with Britt and Taylor, who was one of our staff members at the time. Um, she was there with me. And so like we're kind of like re like checking in with everyone. Like every day we were just like, okay, what's happening today? Where are people at? Like managing the group. And <laughs> People were like, um, my flight just got canceled. And then I was like, okay, well, my flight's still happening. Like, let's, we eventually redirected everyone's flight so no one was flying by themselves. Like, let's just, like, get home. And no joke, no joke, like, I found out that my flight was canceled, which meant that, like, six other people's flights were canceled because it was in the local newspaper. I was like, where's my email? (laughs) It was just, like, chaos everywhere. There's, like, stress, right? Probably wasn't the chillest vacation. It was Uh, definitely not the chillest, but like also there's like this weird connection between everyone who was there, you know, because everyone's like, so this was not the yoga retreat that we intended. And there's something beautiful within all of it, which is like the paradox of all of the yoga, right? Which is the skill of yoga, being able to like hold it all at the same time. So, um, yeah, we ended, we did all end up making it home. (laughs) Thank fully. Um, but I was definitely not sure for a moment. Um, and then during that time period, we were kind of like, let's close the studio. We'll do like an online yoga challenge for the week. We like had plans for like a week and then we had a plan for the next week. Yeah. Britt made me record this video about like how we're going to remain closed for a little longer. And I'm like crying in Costa Rica because I'm like, I'm stuck here. What's happening at home? Oh no. (laughs) So Um, you that's how you kind of unrolled this virtual yoga studio is like one week at a time to start. Yeah. And, um, like honest shout out Brit, (laughs) um, her and our, our team that was back here really did all of that because Taylor and I, which were the other two full-time people at that point in time were, were in Costa Rica and, you know, it did. I am so grateful that we have such an amazing team to be able to do all of those things, which, is honestly one of the reasons that we've been able to adapt so well. Again, that like more is more idea. Like we do have, although we still have limited resources, like all small businesses, it's like one of the small business things that's limited, right? There's not like this abundance of staff that you can just pull in, but we do have multiple people. Yeah. Um, so those multiple people have been really critical in being able to kind of manage all of the things. So, so that happened in March, obviously. And then for the studio, March was okay for us financially because our memberships go through on the first of every month. Um, and then honestly, April was okay-ish as well because most people were like, well, we'll get back to normal, right? <laughs> like even early April, people weren't totally sure. Um, but then things have started to fade out, of course, as now this is like a long-term thing. Um. What advice, think of what you've learned, right? What advice would you give other first-timers? Like, do you put a photo of my face? Oh, my God. That want to start their own <laughs> business. Her eyes just got really wide. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, you should totally do it. <laughs> um, what advice? Honestly, you, yeah, that's, that's the advice is you just have to do it. Like, you know the thing. It's so funny. I talk to, I talk to my friends and, like, other people who want to teach yoga. Like I talk to people that are like potential small business owners, honestly, kind of regularly. And like, I love it. Most people I find get really stuck in the like logistics of business ownership. And 
best and worst advice. Don't do any of that. <laughs> like yeah. do the thing that you want to do. And then it will come down slowly down the pipe, the paperwork that you have to follow up with is my honestly, I think, best advice. But like so many people get stuck in like a it's like um they get frozen. Yeah. You know, they right. get like, oh, like my friend right now is currently setting up some retail business and like, OK, sales tax. And I could like feel it in her being like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, like. Best advice to small business owners, no one knows what they're doing. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, and no one knows what they're doing. There's so many resources so and many. people there to help with that, That whose job it is to help with that. Like, you know, I will often talk to entrepreneurs and they'll, you know, I might have a really good call with one of them where, you know, to me it doesn't seem like a big deal, but at the end of it they're like, thank you so much, thank you so mm-hmm. much. And I'm like, I just have to remind them sometimes, like, this is my job. Like, this is yeah. what I'm hired to do. So, you know, I'm a resource for you. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a job. So, um, but I think one thing that, um, you know, obviously Dave and I, we're a nonprofit and um, we've been really, really lucky to have an amazing board of directors. I was, it's funny. I was actually, that was going to be my thing I was going to say was, mm -hmm. yeah. So tell me a little bit about your board and and how it came together and what kind of a resource they've been for you. That's so, so I was like, I think that's actually would be my advice is what not necessarily a board because that's not relevant for everyone, but like find someone that's a mentor and like how you said, you're available, but if someone could be like, Hey, can you like actually be my mentor and kind of build more of like a working relationship with someone for me, that's been monumental. Like I, we, we do have a board and I would say that there are a few people on the board that I do consider more like mentor mentor. And then there's a few other people that I consider kind of like, all right, we're all checking each other out, right? Like, like we've got enough people making this decision that it doesn't feel like it's totally out of left field. Um, but having a mentor is for me so key. I feel like I have my yoga teacher mentor. I have my, like, my yoga friend mentor. And then I do have a couple of business mentors. Um, I don't know if anyone has said this on the podcast before, but this sounds kind of like a depressing thought, but is also true for me is that you can love your business and you absolutely love what you do. And sometimes it's overwhelmingly lonely. Like only other small business owners understand. And that is probably one of the biggest internal struggles I've had because it's like when you're so overwhelmed and so stressed, you might want to lean on your friends or lean on your partner or lean on like some family members and they're there for you. But the only person who really, really, really gets it is someone who's been there. And a mentor is like such a good person for that. So um, I would say for sure mentor. So our board honestly was started by people who really were, were either very good friends or people who were coming to the studio a lot at one point in time. Like they just came so much that they really got it. And then I found out they had a skill set that I didn't have. So like one person is on our board who used to work in development. So she's kind of helped us with some grant things. She's not full-time grant writer, but she can like give us advice, you know? Um, And then from there, there's been a couple other people that have come to the studio that then I found out were the people I consider my mentors are just other business owners who have bought and sold businesses successfully, who for me, like, they are just older than me, so they have more experience in all of life than I do, and that is a helpful thing. Yeah, I mean that you you gave a direct uh, Dave Bradbury quote there with entrepreneurship's lonely, um, and that's part of why we started Visa yeah. to make sure that entrepreneurs were around other entrepreneurs because it, it really is that piece of it that no one gets unless yeah. they've done it. 
Yeah, I um, I actually didn't. I'll have to look up that quote because I didn't know that that is there. I heard it originally from a yoga teacher who I really like, and he was talking particularly about being the yoga teacher is very lonely because you're in class and there's so many people, but then at the end everyone leaves, and then you get in your car and you drive to your next class. And um, that was honestly one of the reasons about like the community and sangha. Like like here you have like. 50 chairs like it's important to have the nooks for people you can't just say oh we want people here you have to like create the space for the people to be here caveat covid <laughs> but like you know you have to put intention into building that community so yeah huge I would say biggest piece of advice is to check yourself when that happens and then do something about it and most people I think that is mentorship great that's great uh, so what's next for, for the business? <sighs> um, <laughs> next month? <laughs> yeah. Um, what is next? So, okay, so actually exciting things that are happening and I guess the reality of things. Um, so we we are actually in the process of announcing that we're, we're going to remain closed. And we're remaining closed because where we are in Burlington, I do feel like the number of people that travel who don't live in Burlington is just opening up an uncomfortable conversation. I don't want to spend my time sending those emails when someone tests positive who comes in because it's inevitably going to happen. So right now we're going to refocus and continue to um, work on the online studio. And so it's actually really exciting. Like the downtown studio, we got like lights and we've set up um, some microphones, like like we got one of these podcasty microphones. Like it's cool. Like it feels like okay, let's like really enhance this experience. Um, because if we open, like I said, someone will test positive. That's just the reality, and we can only have a few people. Right. So that it feels really hard to figure out how do we like say yes, community. And only five people can come. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so though we can figure it out. I would rather not spend our limited resources doing that right now. Yeah. But what we can figure out is how to really make it great online. Let's like check that box and then figure out the next thing. And so for the holiday season, we've turned downtown into this kind of like recording studio. And then um, we have like a, we turn it into kind of like a store in the lobby so that, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that there are people who have not come to the studio in like seven or eight months. Like I've gone in a few times, but like there are many, many, many people who have not gone that long. And it was a place that they would go two to three times a week. Like that's crazy. Well, listen, every now and again, uh, one of our members here will poke his or her head around the corner and it's it's like a reunion. Yeah. Right. It sort of brings a smile to our our masks, I yeah. guess. Um, yeah, it's really awesome. Those are the times we're in. So yeah. I think uh, you made a, a good call there because um, – Everybody's tired. Everybody's stressed. The business owner's yeah. stressed. So, you know, would you rather be worrying about that test positive issue every single day, holding your breath rather yeah. than breathing as you're supposed to and, and just deliver a, a fantastic experience online safely to, to many? And I think that's a, yeah. a smart move. It's interesting, too, how, how you said, like, the business owner is tired. And I think that's an important thing that's also not being talked about a whole lot, um, at least in my circles right now. Like, like I said, we could figure out how to open. And there are businesses that are opening that are like ours, and that's where they're focusing their energies and, like, full support of whatever you feel like you need to do. Um, but, like, I'm tired. <laughs> like, I want to go home at the holidays and not have to come back at a certain time so that then we can open for classes. Like, 
family is always the most important thing. Like, let's just like do that and like everything else will settle around it. And with the things that keep changing that are outside of our control, like capacity restrictions and travel guidelines, there's so much for every business that's changing that you have zero control over. And then you have to come back and readapt. And I'm tired and many other businesses are also tired that like we have to just do what we're doing for at least a little bit Yeah. <laughs> to like, let's just, my feeling is like, let's just get through the end of the year <laughs> and then kind of have that energy again. Cause it feels like it's a lot to refocus and to try to open for, for me right now, for, for me and that inadvertently is Sangha to refocus and try to open knowing that then like, if there is another shutdown, well, we could have just refocused that energy and done something else. Right. So, so if there's one thing that our listeners can do to support Sangha right now, what would that be? I mean, I mean, I part of me wants to be like sign up and get a membership, but really it's like everyone just needs to like take a moment for themselves. Like like I know that's kind of a hard question in that I want to say like what is helpful for us, but that's the intention of the question though. You don't <laughs> yeah. have to be good to other people. <laughs> but like that's what do I think? Come to a class. We'll be selfish for you. Sign up. Yeah. Sign up. Sign up. Come to a class. Or give a class. I mean, this is the other thing, right? Yeah, totally. You see how just wellness and mental health are all top of mind right now. I mean, I think because yoga is, is, you know, connected so much to mental health, a lot of the conversations I've been having with people is, like, there is an overwhelming spectrum of, of loneliness of people who are really needing that connection, people who live by themselves, people who are in recovery, like the amount of people who need people <laughs> who don't have people is so high. And so like that I think is the thing that really needs to happen. Through Sangha, we can do that by like inviting someone to come to class with you and you might see their little Zoom box, but there's this like weird kind of excitement when you can like see their Zoom name, you know? Um, so that, I mean, come to class and invite a friend to come to class with you and like connect and actually say hi is I would say probably like the best thing that you could do for the studio. Um, But like, yeah, people need to just take care of themselves, but really other people. Like if you have the capacity to take care of someone else, that's what's really, really important right now. Sounds like a great, a great thing for this holiday. Um, Magic wand time. Okay. Everybody Wait, what gets did you say? magic wand time. Magic wand time. Does it sound funny under my mask? Yeah, I was say like, that? what time? <laughs> she sounded a little scared. It did sound. Sorry about that. No, magic, it was like magic wand time. Okay. Um, if you could, you have magical powers now. If you could wow. change one thing in Vermont, what would you change? <laughs> oh my! Wow. I could change one thing in Vermont. I thought it was going to be half off burger night every year. Bring it back. Bring it back. No, no. I would, I would love that. If this was just actually, I would make the highway of 89 go away. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like we're really isolated in Vermont and I would make that shorter so that more people can come here. (laughs) That's what I would change. Okay. Awesome. (laughs) Bullet train. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, that's, I guess, more of a personal thing. Um, but <laughs> It's okay. It's, your, it's like, your magic wand. Yeah, my magic wand. I guess sometimes I feel like in, um, in Vermont we're so far removed from things, which is maybe where, I, where COVID, at least again in the circle that I'm in, sometimes feels like extra hard because, you know, 
other people, like for example, my family in New Hampshire, they can go other places in New Hampshire and there's other things to be doing. So much in Vermont is kind of excluded. It would be nice to like sometimes be able to like go to a place that's not lively because of COVID, but like, you know, where there's a little bit more. A little bit more connected. Yeah. But I mean, I love Vermont. Sounds like you got a little cabin fever. I think that's okay. probably the issue. We're all ready for a good festival or something, Oof. right? Probably the issue, yeah. Send this girl back to Costa Rica. Yeah. Ooh, sign me up. Ironically, if you're from Vermont, you can actually go to Costa Rica right now. Did you know that? But I was like, but oh, then- Dave's yes. been monitoring it daily, I think. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, but that feels like an irresponsible decision. What if we got stuck again? I can't reconcile that. Yeah, it is a little <laughs> bit selfish yeah in a way. and i think too like what would people think there you know they don't know that you're from vermont like i don't i'm not sure yeah i don't i don't know um that but i won't be announcing my travel plans on the podcast so yeah. let's, let's let's go there <laughs> thank you so much for doing this today yeah thank thanks for having me this has been start here with sam and dave a podcast sharing the stories of active aspiring and accidental entrepreneurs This series supported by the Vermont Technology Council and Consolidated Communications. This episode has been brought to you by the Center for Women in Enterprise. CWE provides opportunities for women entrepreneurs and women in business. Check them out at cweonline.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, write a review, or share it. Thanks for listening. And now let's get back to yoga. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. (laughs) Thank you.